Uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 23, we'll go through 26. Philippians 1, 23. Paul speaking here, and he says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So we're looking at, this is point uh, number 12 here, the coming again, verses 25 and 26. So he's trying to write to the people at Philippi and encourage them. And so he says, you know, verse 23, it'd be a lot better just to depart this earth and to be with Christ. And I was just reading this week through my Bible, reading just all the suffering, the times he was beaten with rods, the times he was stoned, um, the times he was scourged, whipped, uh, his sickness, his loneliness. Sometimes he was cold. Sometimes uh, he was scarce for clothing. Sometimes he was scarce for food. Um, so putting yourself in his position, just you can understand uh, just why, Lord, <laughs> take me home. But he's, he says, uh, verse 25 or verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. How many times do we think about that when we are suffering? Maybe when we are sick. I know the elderly struggle with this. I've heard him say so many times, I don't know why the Lord is keeping me here. Uh, well, the answer is, verse 24, 
Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Just, it's just so easy, isn't it, to want the easiest route for ourselves and we forget about others. Like, I suppose some people are saying, oh, Lord, this, this country is just going down the tubes. Lord, just take me home. But what about all those who are going to be left in this situation to fight through it? Uh, but it's so easy in our flesh just to, for, uh, for us to want the easiest way out. Um, so in verse 26, he says that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. You know, when you're in the midst of a trial, um, it's so refreshing to have, have someone come or to hear that someone is coming to help. Last week I gave the illustration of down in Altoona Pass in Georgia, and Sherman was coming with troops, but the troops that was there in that fort didn't know he was coming at that point until the, the flag signal man let them know. Um, and they were getting to the point just about ready to surrender to the South, to the Confederate troops. Uh, but it was just that waving of the flag on the distant mountain by the flagman that then they were encouraged, and then they fought with vigor then through in and the, the fort was speared. Sherman got there in time. Um, if you hold your place here with me and turn to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25. When, when we were living in Chattanooga, um, there was no such thing as email yet or uh, texting. Actually, when texting came out, I thought, are we going backwards or what? I mean, it seemed to me like texting was more like Morse code, you know. It seemed like it was going back. I mean, when you get on the phone and talk to someone, what is the advantage of having to go back and type out all your words again? Aren't, aren't we going backward? But since then, I've seen texting is uh, a nice feature when maybe someone is busy and they might not have time to talk. Maybe they're at work and you can text, and when they get a chance, they can read it. So I've changed my thinking on that. But when it first started, I thought, seems like we're going backwards here. But Proverbs 25, 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is what? Good news from a far country. So back when we lived in Chattanooga, it was writing letters back and forth, maybe a, a few days. So anyway, when you write a letter, and if it takes three days to get to Michigan, um, and then someone might not get time that day to write a letter. So you're looking at easily a week from when you send your letter. And missionaries, I mean, some missionaries, it depends where they're at, but it might take two weeks to get there. And then when they have time to write back, two weeks to get back. So you're talking a month. So it's, it's such a difference now. And, and I remember it was so good to go to the mailbox in Chattanooga and find a letter from Michigan. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. And I would make an effort to try to write back quickly uh, because I, I so appreciated um, those letters. And so as we go back in Philippians chapter 1, so he's saying in verse 26 that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. It's like, guess what? Paul's coming. He's coming back. Really? 
You're kidding. No, he's coming back. And just think of the excitement uh, there in Philippi. He's coming. He's coming. And it should be that same way as we think about the Lord's coming. He's coming again. And I know it's been a long time. And some people think, oh, well, he probably won't come this week or maybe not even in my lifetime. Uh, Hold your place here. Turn to me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. It's kind of on the the, like the story in the front of the bulletin, the empty shoes. Matthew 24 and verse 44. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as what? Ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. I've told you many times, but when Spurgeon, the great preacher in London, um, said to his deacons one time, had him in a meeting with him, and um, he said, do you think the Lord will come back this week? And if I, believe, if I remember correctly, not one of them were, was expecting him. So he read them this verse. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So he is coming. And so we should be excited about that. But back in Philippians 1. So we're thinking about verse 23. I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Uh, I just read, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but Michigan is getting more like the state of Washington or Oregon all the time, sadly. Um, I read, uh, this comes from... uh, it's called clickondetroit.com. But it says Michigan senators introduced a death with dignity legislative package, which would allow terminally ill patients the option to request and use prescribed medication to end their lives peacefully. These people are so deluded. Um, if they think they're in pain now, and they're hastening the day when they're going to be in hellfire and torment. Um, and notice with me, if you hold your place in uh, Luke chapter 16, they, they have no clue what they're doing. And think of all the many, if this is passed, will, will use it and will end their lives prematurely and will hasten the extreme torment. Whereas before, it might have been in their latter days fighting a disease that someone would have reached them or that their heart might have finally melted and they could have escaped the torment. Um, Sad. So in uh, Luke 16, verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in where? In hell. He lift up his eyes being in what? Torments. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am what? Tormented. Tormented in this flame. I think of a man that Brother Jim and I went to see. He lived on Wabas's uh, lake robe. He never married. I think he had at least one brother um, that never married. And 
I don't know, he probably was in his 80s. And uh, he went out to his mailbox and he got hit by a car. I don't know if he was in his car or I don't know if he was out of his car. I, I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, so they called for help for him. And the last words out of his mouth was that he was thirsty and he was asking for a drink. And after talk, as Brother Jim and I talked with him, and he just, he would not get saved. And I, I just, and then I heard his last words were that he was so thirsty. And I just think of him, that's been many years ago, and I just think of him today. His thirst after that accident was nothing compared to what it is right now. How sad. And so um, this, this bill, this death with dignity, isn't it something how they call evil good? Death with dignity, you know, sounds so nice, but it's so cruel. Um, and notice with me in Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. You know, they do that same thing with abortion. They, they, they try to make it sound so, so, uh, so pleasant. And I mean, even, um, I can't even think what they call it. I mean, we, slipping my mind this morning, but Isaiah 520, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They do that with abortion. So is it any wonder that they do that with the elderly or the terminally ill? So that, that bill in Michigan was put together by uh, state senators Mary Cavanaugh from Redford Township, Kevin Hertel from Clare Shores, Sam Singe from Lansing, East Lansing, and Veronica Kleinfeldt from East Point. If, a, if the bill is passed, Michigan will join 10 other states, including Washington, D.C., that have expanded patients' power to make decisions regarding their end-of-life care. And this uh, leader of it, uh, Mary Cavanaugh, she said, so many of us share the painful experience of having witnessed a, lo a loved one suffer, knowing they could have benefited from an expanded end-of-life care option. It's not end-of-life care. It's, it's murder. It's not end-of-life care. Um, it says, she said, patients deserve the trust and respect to make their own medical decisions including the choice to determine their own timeline to end ongoing suffering. It's not ending their ongoing suffering. Um, the Death with Dignity Act honors the autonomy. Read that as stubbornness, which as the sin of witchcraft. Honors the autonomy and dignity of every person, ensuring they maintain power in the entirety of their life. Isn't that our problem in life? We want to be our own gods. 
We want to control our own everything. We don't want to leave it in God's hands. That's, that's the old sin nature. She goes on to say, this is a compassionate policy. Isaiah 5.20, calling good evil and evil good. This is a compassionate policy that would provide Michiganders and their loved ones with peace of mind when facing terminal illness. Well, I'm afraid she's going to be surprised it's not going to provide peace of mind to people, just like abortion does not provide peace of mind to those mothers and fathers who choose that route. No, they have nightmares from it. Uh, they have guilt, huge guilt from it. Um, later on, having dreams about their baby that they never got to see because they aborted it, they murdered it, they killed the baby in the womb. And the same thing is going to happen with these. Okay, someone gets a terminal disease, and they're going to say right early on, hey, if the doctor says I don't have much time to live, so give me the pills, give me the shot, whatever. Um, and the loved one's saying, oh, yeah, go for it. Don't think that they're not going to have nightmares and dreams and guilt later on, because they will. They will. Um, so what do we expect from the world? Well, we don't expect anymore. But God is the giver of life. And that makes us his creation. And he has the right to do what he chooses with his own. And that's us. Um, notice in Job chapter 3. You know, we never know what God might have in store for us. It might be that it seems like we are doomed. Do you remember a couple of our missionaries that seemed doomed during COVID? Brother Ray Ronk, what did the doctors say? It would take a what? Miracle for his lungs to recover. Um, so what would have happened in Wisconsin, and maybe that's one of the states now, but if, uh, if he would have had uh, uh, the right to choose to assisted suicide, um, what would have happened if he would have said, well, the doctor said I'll never recover, or for sister in that, his, his wife, um, the doctor says he'll never recover, I'm not going to make him suffer anymore, give him the shot. Um, that would have been a little premature, wouldn't it? Remember Brother Wall in the hospital with COVID? <laughs> um, he got up and left and went home. And, you know, the doctors were saying, you know, he's just going to kill himself. And I remember receiving emails to, to pray for Brother Wall because some of his friends we're, we're trying to tell him, hey, you're going to go home to die. You, you better stay in the hospital. Um, did he die? No. Um, he's still alive, glory to God. And um, so these people are going to use that that could have recovered. And who knows how many could recover. But in Job 3 in verse 1, Job was very sick, 
And the Bible says after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day, who are ready to raise up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for a light, but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day, because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. And here it is. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? And so Job, he's so sick. He's saying, listen, it would have been better for me to have never been born. Why, why did I ever come out of the womb to face all that I'm facing? Look in chapter 3, uh, here in verse 20. Job says, Wherefore is light given to him that is in what? Misery. And life unto the bitter in soul. Well, there's so many people like that. They get bitter the things they're facing. Verse 21, which long for what? Death, but it cometh not. And dig for it more than for hid treasure. So these are the people that are going to commit assisted suicides. But was this Job's end? Job thought it was his end, but was it his end? No. Did it seem possible for him to recover? No, it did not seem possible. But did he recover? Yes, he did. Look in chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1. Job 7, 1. Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Yes, Job, there is. But it's not for us to say the time. Are not his days also like the days of an hireling, as a servant earnestly desireth the shadow? And as an hireling, hireling looketh for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess what? Months of vanity. His sickness was not the three-day flu or a, a, a two-week stint with, with a harder flu. He said he was made to possess months of vanity. He spent... Months being this terribly sick and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? And the night be gone. I am full of tossings to and fro unto the dawning of the day. When he would lay down, just his pain, his agony, just roll to and fro. Verse 5, my flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent, what? Without hope. Without hope. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall no more see good. 
The eye of him that hath seen me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not. He's saying, I am not going to recover from this sickness. Well, he would be a candidate then. Hey, give him the injection, whatever. Put him out of his misery. Chapter 10, Job 10, verse 18. 10.18, Wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease then, and let me alone, that I may take comfort a little before I go whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death." A land of darkness as darkness itself and of the shadow of death without any order and where the light is as darkness. Why go on in Job's case? All of his children, all ten children died in one day. Look in chapter 1. Can you imagine? Ten children and all dying in one day, in one event. Job 1.18. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. All of his children, they're gone. Of uh, his wealth, his occupation, his means of, of work was all gone in one day. Verse 14, Job 1.14. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only and escaped alone to tell thee. While I was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said the Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. All of his animals were gone in one day. Um, look in chapter 2 and verse 9. Now, the Lord had told Satan he couldn't touch Job, and husband and wife are one, and, and so we see Job's wife was not touched in this. Uh, Job 2 and verse uh, 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? What'd she tell him? Curse God and die. Curse God and die. The person that he is one with tells him, Honey, why don't you just curse God and die? Do you think if there was assisted suicide legal, do you think she would have done it at that point? Probably. Probably would. What does he tell her, verse 10? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. 
He said, honey, that's not right. And you know what? Assisted suicide is not right either. So his children are all gone. Uh, His means of wealth is, is all gone. His wife, the one dearest to him, says, you might as well die, honey. There's no hope. You might as well die. Curse God and die. His friends... Uh, we're falsely accusing him as we read through the whole book. Uh, let's look at chapter 16, Job 16. His friends had all forsaken him by either falsely accusing him or just gone. Uh, 16.20, my friends, what? Scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. His relatives didn't care about him. Look in chapter 19. Job 19 and verse 13. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have what? Forgotten Forgotten me. His employees didn't listen to him anymore. Look at verse 15, Job 19, 15. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for what? Stranger. Stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant, and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. It wouldn't answer him. Uh, Job was a man of great honor, as we read through the book. Even elderly people, people older than Job, stood up when he came into their presence. Uh, But now young people despised him. Um, Chapter 19, verse 18. 19-18. Yea, who? Young children despise me. I arose and they spake against me. So it's like, what is the purpose in my life going any further? There's no way to recover. Um, I've, I've lost all my children. I've lost all my means to make money b- beside his own health now. Um, my friends have all forsaken me. My wife says, honey, you might as well die. Um, His employees had no respect for him. They weren't going to answer any commands of his. They thought he was dead. Uh, Young children, everybody despised Job. They all honored him before. Now he's sick and he's convinced it's to death. Nobody cares for his soul. Why should his life be prolonged? You answer that in one word. And it's a three-letter word. It's God. Why should my life go on? As, as people ask that question over and over and over and over again. So we have three services this afternoon in the nursing homes. How many of those people will have asked the question, maybe out loud, why am I here? Why am I here? The answer is one word. It's three letters. God. God. He created each of us. We are his possession. It's not right to destroy someone else's possession. Notice in Psalm 103, 100, Psalm 100. Psalm 100. In verse 3. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is what? God. God. 
It is he that hath what? Made us. And not we ourselves. We are what? His people and the sheep of his pasture. That's why we have no right to take our own lives. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. Notice in Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Psalm 24 and verse 1. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and who? They that dwell therein. We are the Lord's. Well, our time is out, but just to kind of go ahead. Luke 137, for with God nothing shall be impossible. In John chapter 11, Lazarus was sick. And Jesus told his disciples, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. In John 11, verse 4, he dies. On the fourth day after his death, Jesus comes and Martha comes out to see him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Mary comes out later. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. Um, it seemed like, it seemed like the Lord was too late, but he wasn't. Remember, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And even, even after death, it was not, it was still not a problem. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And what was the benefit of it? Look at John 11. John 11 and verse 45. John 11:45. The Bible says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, which was raising Lazarus from the dead, believed on him. Uh, one of my grandfathers used to, we would talk, and he would talk about the Lord coming back, and he looked forward to that. But near the end of his life, he said to me, he said, well, he said, I've kind of rethought that. And he said, you know, if someone could get saved um, by my death at, a, at my funeral, by hearing the gospel, he said, I would rather have that. If someone could get saved, could hear the gospel and get saved, if I would die and at my funeral, if they could hear the gospel and be saved, he said he'd rather have that. Well, um, that's what happened. He, he did die, and the gospel went forth. And we think of Lazarus, um, his sickness and death. Verse 45 said, uh, Many, verse 45, many of the Jews believed on him because of that. And we know in Job's situation, it was not helpless. God gave him 10 more children. God doubled his wealth. And God had his friends and his relatives come back to him. And God did bless. And yet he was saying, oh, curse the day that I was born. No, so... In, in closing, let's go back to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. So, none of us know what we may suffer in our lives. None of us know. But if we will remember this, I am not my own. 
I am God's. I want him to be glorified. And so when Paul says in verse 23, Philippians 1, 23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is what? More needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Because if he would have died, um, they wouldn't have had the joy of him coming there again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. Lord, forgive us for our selfishness. Lord, so much of our lives is just spent in selfishness. All we seem to care about is ourselves. How much do we really care for the lost? How much do we really care for other Christians? How much do we really care for our family in comparison with our own sinful self? Lord, I pray that you would forgive us. I pray that you would help us to remember that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. You created us. And then you paid the price for our sins. So Lord, please take and use us. Whatever days you give us, may we rest in the fact that you have a purpose for us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Uh, next service.